Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, the doom loop. How concerned should you be? And the economics of Valentine's. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, Financial Food Fight. Welcome to the Food Fight, everybody. Paul Vigna, Jack Otter, Chuck Jaffe up in Boston. Uh, you know, uh, Jack and I are here in New York in the studio. Chuck's up in Boston. We are we are short Steve Grosser this week. He had a lunch. He couldn't make it, so... Uh, hopefully he's not throwing food at that lunch. You know, he had a nice suit on, so I assume he's he's being civilized. But uh, look, I, I want to throw out two words to you because there are there are no two words that are more apt to the food fight than the two words I'm going to say. And it was funny, <clears throat> excuse me, because this morning I come in and I'm looking on Twitter as as I sometimes on occasion rarely do, and I see this, <clears throat> excuse me, folks, and I see this tweet from Zero Hedge, which was a well known. Uh, news website that gives in to uh, tends to to lean towards the hysteric apocalyptic in the the markets, and they have this line about doom loop spells the end of the markets and the banks and everything you know. And and I looked over at Eric Holm and I joked. I said, "Is there anything more zero hedge than doom loop?" And he says, "No, no, that was our story." <laughs> They were quoting our front page story about the banks, which used the phrase doom loop. And what that is, is basically the banks are squeezed between a weak economy where they can't make any money and central banks that are now taking interest rates into this negative territory where the banks are being penalized for having these reserves on account with the central banks. That is the doom loop. And... It's terrible. Doom, I mean, doom loop. It can't be worse. I think the derivation actually comes from a Darth Vader thing in Star Wars. On the Death Star, they had the doom loop. Yeah. (laughs) You think the journal got it? That's where the journal got it. Uh, Look, you know, it's, they were talking about it, but it was the kind of thing where this squeeze we've seen in the past, and they were talking about it, I think it was uh, 11 or whatever the Greece crisis was really kind of high up there and, and the banks were getting squeezed, you know. But now it has reached this new – this whole thing about negative interest rates, and you can see it in the market, and you saw it this week. It has really rattled people. It has taken them somewhere where they're not – they don't expect to ever go. There's something very counterintuitive and unnatural about the idea of the central bank charging you money. And, and there was – did you guys see the, the Hitler spoof this week? Yeah. Oh, there's a really good Hitler – you know, those Hitler spoof movies, it's like a four-minute movie – from some uh, film about the last days of Hitler where they tell him something that is like unbelievable and he freaks out and they were telling him about negative interest rates and he freaks out and they, but they make the really good point. You know, there's a line in there. He says, are you telling me that in order for us to not lose money, we have to lose money? And that is really what it comes down. This is a very unnatural thing, this idea of negative interest rates and it has rattled the capital markets. I was on television this morning and, and I, first made the argument that it was the un the unknowable the the surprise the yeah. fact that nobody quite knows where this is taking us we can't say oh in 1998 this happened and that that was right and and i actually i won't name any names but the uh, another guy said oh yeah this happened in 1928 blah blah, blah 1931 or something i don't know i don't think so i, you know I think we can go back and watch the video <laughs> i think <laughs> you know, we can go I, find it that's a good point um I think that not only is it scary for a lot of really valid reasons, yeah. it is also really scary because we don't know what the heck it means. Right, right. 
Yeah, but let's get out of the round, you know, doom loop. Okay, in plain English, it's a vicious cycle. And oh, by the way, what really happens here when you take a look at the things that have been done, and as a general rule, and it, it by the way, is it, it is a real business strategy term, but it basically is, hey, we've tried one thing after the next after the next, and nothing has worked. But typically, the things that have been tried are superficial, are what's going to work right now, what could make people right. feel better. And so we've known for a long time there was some pain to endure. But if we could kick it down the road, if we could somehow find a way to not endure the pain, well, then that's what we did. So if we're in a doom loop, and I hate the term, et cetera, but if we're in one, we allowed ourselves to get there because we basically said, hey, you know, I have this boo-boo, I don't want to do whatever, and we let it get infected, and then we let it get worse than infected, and, you know, now it's a big, oozing, right. pus-filled whatever, and yeah, it's going to hurt. So to continue that metaphor, to continue that metaphor, Chuck, is there a Band-Aid we can rip off? I don't, I don't know that there is, but I think that a harsh medicine in this case is negative interest rates, potentially, because we're going to have to see how that plays out. I mean, at some point you have to do something. You know, the, the funny side of doom loop is that I've always prided myself on the fact that, that courtesy of a, a degree in economics, which I've never really had to use necessarily in my job, I can still, you know, do diagrams of things like spiraling inflation, not something I've needed to worry about for a couple of decades at this point. Well, this is the same sort of thing. We're in a spiral, and it's tough to do it. And I think ultimately you're going to have to sit through some things where you go, ooh, this is uncomfortable yeah. because we've never been there before. Fine. But uncomfortable because we have never been there before does not mean we're dead. It means it's uncomfortable. Right. There's a long stretch between that. And unfortunately, yeah, we've put ourselves into it, and we're probably going to have to go through a lot of discomfort to get out of it. You know, it's funny that the, the title of my next book is going to be The Funny Side of Doom Loop. Wow, that'll sell like, like that, crazy. Like hotcakes. You know, you, you, t you talk, Chuck, about the banks trying everything and trying everything and nothing works and nothing works. And it occurs to me that, and I think this is kind of where you were going, where you guys have been going. Since, since the crisis first hit, the one thing that has actually not been tried and the one thing that actually would be the, the, the real solution is let the market clear. They never let the market clear. They never let all the bad stuff that was sitting on people's books clear. Get sold for whatever it can get sold for. Whoever takes the loss takes. I know it would be ugly to be terrible and it's unthinkable. But at this point, is, is it any more unthinkable than negative interest rates? Well, the other side of this is this goes back to discussions we've had on this show dating back to when this show started, you know, where, come on, the Fed waited so long. Right, and it right. was so. Why, if you are a politician or a central banker, is your concern really what's the market doing this week? Because if it is, you don't have the foresight necessary to govern. And at some point, they needed to say, "Hey, let's do." You know, if this is going to be worse than what people were calling for, I go back a couple of years when people were saying, ooh, we're inflating a bond bubble. Well, the Fed was able to work through to where we didn't have a bond bubble. And we were working at things where, ooh, if the Fed raises rates, it'll crack the market and the market will go off the deep end. Well, 
we're now getting a little bit of that hairiness, but it's not the, oh, just straight down that people thought when the, was going to happen. So we've avoided some of the pain. Mm-hmm. But at what cost? If this is mm-hmm. the cost, this may be a heck of a lot worse than what we would have endured if we just let it happen. Right. All right. Listen, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side with, with uh, a lighter topic, Valentine's and Zombies. Hi, this is Kevin Sitzemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, cars, tech, watches, fashion, travel, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, Financial Food Fight. Welcome back, Paul Vini and Jack Otter in the studio here in New York. Chuck Jaffe up in Boston. And on Sunday, I can tell you what Sunday means to me. I can tell you what Sunday means to my wife. I can tell you what Sunday means to me. They are not the same things. Uh, Sunday to me is Walking Dead comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Walking Dead is back. Zombies on Valentine's Day. Uh, At 9 o'clock, I will be in front of the TV with my bloody Valentine, The Walking Dead. Uh, But I understand, well, me and 14 or 15 other million Americans. But for most people, Sunday is Valentine's Day. And the Rangers play the Flyers. If you're a hockey fan, that could be a brutal evening. Right. That could be, yes. And the New England Black Wolves play the Toronto Rock in professional lacrosse, and I'll be there (laughs) broadcasting the game. I love the plugs. Love the plugs, Jack. (laughs) Uh, What are you guys going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do on Valentine's Day? And I'll tell you right now, my wife and I don't really have any plans. We're going to have a very quiet Valentine's Day. So... Essentially, we're not really we're not we're not being good Americans because we're not going to go out and spend a, a boatload of money and prop up the economy. Well, the average cost of a traditional Valentine's Day, according to Bankrate.com, is a little bit over five hundred five hundred dollars this year. Wow. Okay. So so they said it, they they basically lumped in a box of chocolates, diamond earrings, a dozen roses, dinner for two, and a bottle of champagne, and together that added up to five hundred. And twelve dollars and two cents. It's been a long time since I have spent that kind of money on Valentine's well, and, Day, and, and I'm not sure that that's like okay. You know, even and I was married for thirty years, and now I am not married, and I am seeing someone. So I'm really going through my first real Valentine's Day after thirty years of of being married. I'm going through my first new era Valentine's Day, and there are differences. I mean, I. My my wife, after 30 years, yeah, diamond earrings on Valentine's Day would never have made sense to me. It never would have made sense anyway. I would have done that for a, a holiday that was personal to her or a gift that was personal to her, not one whatever. But that's a, a separate choice. But it is one of those things that you can see a certain amount of pressure to it. And I see a disconnect between those folks who have been married a long time, where my ex used to say, don't do anything, and was happy if I did anything, which I always did anyway, right. Versus now, where where there aren't those things being said, but there's a lot more into it. Uh, I'll make people feel a little bit better as we journalists covering finance know statistics can do crazy things. I got a press release. I deleted it, but pulled it up for you guys uh, for this for this podcast. Uh, Finder dot com compared the price the the amount of money spent in state by state, and Chuck the high according to their numbers. Uh, were the romantic uh, people in Kansas spent $117 per person, uh, followed by Nevada at $112 and so forth. Uh, the, the lowest states of all include South Dakota, Kentucky, Vermont, Wyoming, all at $36. That may reflect uh, the energy collapse, uh, some, some fracking states there. But anyway, 
ranging from 36 <laughs> to 117, so that's not quite as pricey. Well, and and admittedly, I'm not sure that everybody's going to do everything that they would do in the Valentine's Day thing. By the way, LPL Research, it has a Valentine's Day index, which says that whatever you're getting, you're likely to be spending 1.5% more in 2016 than you did in 2015. And by the well, way, just for, inflation. Me, for me, I guess the answer is that on Valentine's Day, we're going to a concert the night before because I'm going to be broadcasting the game that I'm doing on Valentine's Day itself. So we're going to a concert the night before. And on the one hand, I could look at that and say that's a Valentine's thing, and it is. And on the other hand, if that concert had been in March or April or what have you, there's a pretty good chance we would have gone to it. So maybe I'm getting off the hook maybe. as opposed to being on it. Hmm. That's another way of looking. So, the, so the, the Jayhawkers are making us look bad is the bottom line of all this. <laughs> that's the, right. That's... Hey, hey, Chuck, here's a question for you. How many people do you think listening to this podcast really care that you announced those minor league games? Hey, hey, hey. They are not minor league. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not. They are not. That is, this is professional lacrosse, and they're drawing crowds of 5,000 to the game and what have you. Do I think that most people care? No, I do not. Yeah. I want to know. But I will tell you that, A, lacrosse is the fastest-growing sport in the country, and, B, they're a fun watch. They're a really fun watch and a cheap ticket. You want to get to a professional sporting event, whether it's the one that I'll be at, et cetera, or any of the arenas. There's nine teams in the National Lacrosse League. They're a very fun watch. And truthfully, you can have as good a day doing that as you can going to a pro baseball game or what have you, assuming that you like lacrosse, but you'll do it for a lot less money. I, I want to know. Good, good, Jackie. Indoors, I hope. I didn't even know it was lacrosse season. Oh, right. Right this is the National Lacrosse League plays what's called box lacrosse, which is indoors. Major League Lacrosse plays field lacrosse, traditional outdoor lacrosse. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe exactly. the, the refer, what do you refer to you as minor it, league? You, I called it minor league. Yeah, it wasn't major and league. Chuck said it's not. Yeah, so Paul, I think, gets at it's least not half a point. major league. Yeah, Chuck, come on, you know. <laughs> the, answer, the answer is, at this point, there are guys making their living doing nothing but playing lacrosse. And that's a lot of the that's guys professional. Okay. Yeah, in the league. And, and at that okay. point, I think, you know, you have what amounts to a professional league. That's professional league. I want to know if anyone listening to this, I wonder if there's even one person on Sunday that will that is a Money Beat podcast listener who's also going to be at that lacrosse game. If you're that person, email me at paul.vinia at wsj.com because I want to it talk gets, there. I want to talk about that person. It gets better, Paul, because yeah. remember that, that the Black Wolves <laughs> – well, they play at Mohegan Sun Arena. So if you're a Money Beat listener, you're going to a casino on Valentine's Day to watch the game. That's, that, is, that's our, that is our sweetheart demographic right there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt. That is the demo we're trying to hit. Well, you know, I, I will tell you that if you want to see why people make mistakes in the market – wander around a casino long enough and see why people are making mistakes with small amounts of money or sometimes not so small amounts of money there all day long, too. And I now get to a casino fairly regularly because I'm walking through it to be able to get to my broadcast wow. position. There you go. All right. So we brought it back to the markets. <laughs> uh, let's wrap it up there. Chuck, Jack, Paul Vigna, everyone, thanks a lot. Have a good Valentine's Day. Have a good three-day weekend. Uh, we have something lined up for you on Monday, so wait. You'll you know you, you'll you'll see that when it drops, and we will be back in the office on Tuesday. And everyone, fifteen million of you out there, I know you're going to enjoy the Walking Dead Sunday night too. So we'll talk to you then. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. 
Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.